Merry Christmas, church. All right, take out your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. It's where we're going to be this morning. We are in our series, Heaven and Nature Sing. And um, we're looking at the four songs of Christmas. Uh, Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing an account for you and me to know exactly what took place when the Savior was born, when he lived, he died, all of the life of Jesus. And this man who has been the most influential figure uh, on the face of the earth, earth in all of human history. Um, and Luke wants to write down and, and, and make sure that we know uh, the details regarding the facts of his life. Uh, and especially his birth. In the last part of Luke chapter 1 and the first part of Luke chapter 2, he determined... And the Lord inspiring him determined that he would include four songs in 64 verses, which is a very highly concentrated area of song. And basically what we take that to mean is that in the coming of Christ, God wants us to sing, to celebrate, to rejoice. He wants fireworks going off. He wants our hearts full and singing and understanding the, in, the significance of this very moment that God has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ and it should erupt in joy. And rejoicing, and so these songs are given for us to rejoice in, not necessarily to uh, sort of categorize doctrinally uh, or to study them as much, but to join in the glory of them, get in the content, and and let our hearts sing and rejoice and be a part of it with them. And today, in our third song, we are looking at the song of the angelic host to the shepherds, and what was proclaimed and sang in that very moment, and I'm sure that you're familiar with the context that the shepherds are outside Bethlehem. I've been to this area, and it's kind of like the hill country if you've been at a, in a green belt. It's rolling hills with valleys and, and peaks, and, it's, uh, and you can see the whole town of Bethlehem is actually up on a hill, a big hill, and then there's valleys all around it. And so they were somewhere along those areas, and the, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared uh, all of a sudden, breaking out out of the darkness. These uh, shepherds are out there watching their sheep and they stay with the sheep they sleep with them that's what they do um and and so they're out there and all of a sudden bang bright lights and an, and an angel appears to them and the glory of the lord shone around them so there was this supernatural glorious type presence with this angel that uh probably an understatement to say that the the shepherds were terrified um, wouldn't you be as you're trying to process what is exactly happening in this moment Am I dying? Is this all? You know, you're trying to figure out a thousand things are going on every millisecond, right, in your mind. And they're terrified and they don't know what to make of all of this in a split second. And the angel says the first thing, do not be afraid. Uh, and he begins to speak to them. And he says, today a Savior is born. And he's making this great announcement that a Savior is born in the town of Bethlehem. And he says, the sign to you, to, if you know which, which baby it'll be, here's the sign. So uh, he says, there's not any baby like this. Babies don't do this. So if you see a baby in a feeding trough, you found him. So there's a baby wrapped in cloths and he's in a feeding trough. Now that's the specific direction. So if you find a baby in a feeding trough, which you never would ever, except for this one moment, uh, you, you, now you know who he is and you found the one. 
Um, and then it says, suddenly a whole host appeared together. Now, not just the angel of the Lord, but now a whole host of angels appear. Um, and this thing goes off the rails. Uh, glorious and crazy, like choir of angels. And they sing and they declare, they proclaim a glorious song. It is a short song and it is one verse. Luke 2, verse 14. Let's read along together. Um, actually, let me read, you listen. How's that sound? Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, and this is the song, and this is where we're going to sort of take our focus in, and we're going to look at this song this morning, and then we're going to even focus even more on one word of it. He says this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we pause for a moment and we peer into this text, this song. And Lord, we want to sit with the shepherds. We want to see what they saw, hear what they heard, join in with the song in our hearts and receive all the benefits of it. That is our, our desire in this moment and we pray, Lord, that you would do that for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The central focus of the text in this song from the angels is really one thing. And it's the thing we all need more than anything else in the world. Um, and it's in the word that's in the center. And I want us to focus on this word this morning. And it's this word right here. Peace. Peace. So we're going to focus not just on the song, but then we're going to come down to that one word. And Christmas is really all about peace. We sing it in our carols. We talk about peace on earth. We see it on billboards. We see it everywhere. Really, the message of Christmas really is this one word, peace. But often Christmas is anything but peace, isn't it? You uh, got any school teachers out there? I heard the story of a school teacher that was just, uh, you know, you're, you're trapped in that classroom all day. And you don't have time to go Christmas shop and all that until until you're out of school, right? Well, this teacher was um, in, a, in a frantic, trying to just, just very stressed out and anxious, and uh, in a hurry, uh, one afternoon after school, she runs to the thing she knows she has not done her Christmas cards. Now, it was customary at one time in America that you had to do your Christmas cards, and you had to get them in the mail at a certain time before Christmas. Am I right? Now, go see my social media feed, all right? Um, but back in the day, there was a time when you had to get that card in the mail, and it was very stressful because what I put on it, what our picture, did we take our picture, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so she hasn't done that. And so she went by the, the card store, bought a pack of cards, threw a picture in every one of them, put them in the envelope, signed it, you know, signed it briefly, signed all of them, and got it done. And she was so satisfied and happy that she had got that done and got it all out to her Christmas card list, and it got out. And then a few days later, one of her friends reaches out to her and says, I can't wait to see what the surprise is. And she says, what are you talking about? And she says, well, you sent me a card, and it says inside, this little note is just to say a Christmas gift is on the way. So that'll give you some Christmas peace, won't it? <laughs> well, Christmas really is all about peace. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, the, Chris, the Christmas peace message of the angels. Um, it could be that peace is something that we have a hard time coming and, and having right now. Uh, you know, peace, peace is an interesting word. 
Um, and what do we mean by peace? And are we experiencing peace? Maybe the hustle and bustle of Christmas, you've gotten the crazy and uh, you're in the long lines and uh, th- that saps your peace and it should, it saps mine too. Maybe it's the big global aspects, war in Ukraine, war in Europe and, and uh, you know, maybe COVID is taking its emotional and mental toll on many in our society and, and uh, you know, we're just still reeling from that and that saps our peace a little bit. Um, maybe it's political tensions in our country and the relationships that have been shattered and all the, the, the burning down of conversations. And that just adds to uh, the lack of peace. Maybe it's inflation. Amen? Okay. Inflation is another one. Is that sapping your peace a little bit? It might. Internal peace is at an all-time low. Anxiety and depression on the up and the right for the last 20 years, every year, going up and to the right. At an all-time low, we have internal peace as a society, as a country. Well, so we can feel many times, we can go, man, you know what? I really want to hear this thing about peace. Because <laughs> uh, maybe all of us would, would like to have a greater dose of that, amen? Well, in the angel's song, the rejoicing is over peace coming to earth. Peace coming to earth. That's the message here. And I want, us to note, I want us to notice a few things from the song. And the first thing is this. We need peace. We need it. According to the Bible, what we need as human beings more than anything else on the earth is peace. We need it more than all the money in the world. We need it more than anything else. We need peace. And I've been reminded lately about um, Things we think we need and we really need and then things that we really need. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, it takes years after for you to look back in your life and go, I thought I just had to have that thing, right? And then now I realize, eh, I didn't really need that, you know. In fact, it was probably doing more harm than good, you know. I was reminded of this. I have a friend who bought a car recently and he drove this model car in college and now many years later... He has the money and he wants to buy that car again, that one that he had in college. And uh, so he, he bought it and he brought it here to Austin. And so he was showing it to me. He says, uh, Key, I got to have you drive this thing. I want to show it to you. That right there, baby. Look at that. 1968 Oldsmobile Delmont 88. None of you know what in the world that is. Uh, 1968. All right. He wanted me to make sure that I put the engine in there, a 455 rocket. If you know what that is, you can appreciate it. Uh, He says it's like driving a boat. you got to drive this boat. It's awesome. Um, But then let me show you another thing on the the interior of this thing. Now, does that take some of y'all back to your childhood? I know it does me. Because I remember being a child in in a car like that. And guys, that's what you call bench seats. And in 1968 and even up to 1974 and then beyond when I was a child... Um, you know what? As a child riding in a car like that, you didn't ride backwards and you weren't in a car seat. You know what you were doing? You were standing up with your back against that bench seat. And you know what? There are seat belts in that car, but you might not find them because they're tucked into those bench seats and they probably look brand new. We didn't need seat belts. We had arms, right? And my mom had an arm and she could stop it all. Do y'all see the AC unit? I want to show you the AC unit. Uh, matter of fact, go back to the other 
picture, the one before, right there. On that front door, you see a small little rotator thing that you don't know what that is either, right? Well, that right there, you turn that and a little triangle window turns like this and knocks you down with air conditioning, okay? It's called external air being brought into the car right there, all right? And, uh, you know, where's the heater? Well, I'll tell you where the heater is. It's on the floorboard and it will singe the hair off your leg. It's coming out so hot. They made it right in those days. Those seats don't move. They are bolted down. If you need leg room, too bad, tough. We were tough. In those days. Because we all spent at least one trip sleeping on the floor with that hump in the middle of our back. Y'all see that hump? All of us did. No comfort in that. We were tough. I want to show you something on the next, next picture, though. If you'll notice right here. If you're really living, you, you know, every car, standard issue, one ashtray. A large ashtray in the front usually came out. Maybe it was just so exposed. But, man, if you're really living, you get one in every door. And you know what? In that ashtray, a little piece of metal there so that you don't have to hold your cigarette the whole time and drop ashes on you or in the car anymore. You don't have to do that. You can pinch it right in that little piece of metal right there, and it will hold your cigarette for you right there. Real, real living. So one more item for you next generation. You guys that missed all of this, let me just show you one more thing. One next picture here. You think that's a power outlet. You think that's a power outlet. Let me tell you what that is. That is a cigarette lighter. It just doesn't have the cigarette lighter in it. They took those out. Can you imagine a car salesman coming along and trying to sell a car to you? And the big selling point is it has an ashtray in every door. It would never fly today. We thought we needed that. And then we realized what we thought we needed is actually doing more harm to us than good. You know, I'm wondering in 50 years we'll look back and see these puppies and we'll wonder. Next picture. I guarantee you we'll look back and we will say we didn't know what that was doing to us. I promise you. Now, that's not the sermon today, but I had to put that in there. It's wiring our brain in some way, and it's not good. It's got to be not good. There's got to be something. a lot of good that comes from it. There's got to be something that we would say, do we really need? See, See, sometimes we think we know what we need, and we really probably don't know exactly what we need, but the highest need that we really have, the Bible teaches the one thing we need more than anything else in this world because we are a human being and will never escape this. The one thing that we need is what the angels are declaring in this moment 2,000 years ago, and they say, peace. We need peace more than we need anything else on the earth. And the angels use the term here in the Greek, arene. And that term is used mostly in the Bible to describe conditions of peace in the sense of um, prosperity times, happy times, good times, um, where there was no thing attacking and pulling down peace. Everything was feeding peace and feeding good. And so it's a, really, it's a term that re really, it's one of those things where when in translation you'll lose a lot. 
It's, it's a really large term in the Greek, and when you translate it, you just sort of, it narrows down to something too small to describe. So you've got to use more language to do it, but the translators don't have that luxury. They have to put one word, and they put peace. But this is a big, big term. It's times and seasons when, when, when people were free from war, famine, illness. We can think of it as good times. And uh, this Greek term actually was the Greek version of a Hebrew term called shalom. Have you all heard shalom? Shalom means peace. And yet it's another thing where it means a whole lot more than just peace, but peace is probably our best word to use to describe it. It's the idea of humanity experiencing what they were made to experience before the fall. Abundance, happiness, total happiness, complete peace. Um, it, it, you, could, you could also describe this word as heaven. It's heaven. Fullness of happiness. Fullness of peace. Um, abundance. Prosperity. Gladness. This is the idea for these terms. You see, God made us to experience this fully and completely to have it forever. And they, had, they enjoyed this for a while, but we know the fall came. And it's a tragic event that took away from us this peace. It took it away. And we all seek it like crazy. And maybe we don't even know it. But something, apart, something that we once were, and we were made to experience was taken away in the fall. And now humans scramble around in their hearts seeking to get it. And you can try to seek it out in, in all kinds of ways. Many things in this world promise it, but none can give it. It only comes from God. And that's the next point. Peace comes from God. The angels said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. As a result of this birth, I've just announced to you, we are singing about this birth. And the birth is peace is coming from God. Peace is coming, it's on approach from God in this birth. The angels declared in this song. The declaration from the angels sounds actually really familiar, perhaps, to the shepherds. Um, early on in the nation of Israel, God commanded the priests to proclaim a blessing from the temple uh, over the people of Israel, saying that they would bear my name. And this blessing came from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. God commanded the Aaronic blessing, the, the descendants of Aaron, the priests, to declare this over Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. It's been made popular by the song recently. A lot more people are kind of uh, realizing it. This says, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you shalom, peace. And all the things that mean that come from shalom. And God is basically saying, my blessing is in the form of shalom. You will bear my name by experiencing my peace. And God is saying, it only comes from me. Next, the peace of God comes through peace with God. The peace of God comes through peace with God. The angels declare that peace is coming through this child. And praise be to God that God is bringing peace through this child who was born. 
Is the Bible says because of the fall and the rebellion of humanity toward God, that all of us innately carry this within us and in our, our hearts, that we have sort of a rebellious spirit toward God. And perhaps we don't know it. It takes circumstances and things for it to manifest, uh, perhaps to us, to ourselves, so we see it. But we all have it. It's all there within us innately. And the bottom line is that, that we are hostile toward God, that there is a divider. There is a line of war between us, humanity as a whole, and God. The Bible talks about this all over the place. It's a constant theme from Genesis all the way through, that we stand in opposition to the God who created us. And it's, of course, the issue of the lack of peace. This is why we lack peace. And Augustine so beautifully said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. God made us to experience this peace. We don't have it because of the fall. Our hearts are restless, and yet we have to get it from him and him only, and yet we can't have it. And what are the angels declaring? Peace. It's coming. Peace doesn't come from just getting away for the weekend. Not this peace. Peace doesn't come from having everything you want and need. Not this peace. Peace doesn't come from things going the way that you'd hoped and expected. Or things just going your way right now. That's not this peace. Peace that we need more than anything only comes through peace with God. And the angels are declaring and singing that God in this child is making peace with mankind. He himself is bringing peace to the earth and making peace with mankind through this person. Next, There is no peace with God without atonement. I don't think there's a more important point that I can make this morning than this one. And the reason why is because there's a whole lot built on this idea, and yet many times we just completely neglect this doctrine, and yet it's critical to understanding everything about God in the Bible. Atonement is the satisfying of justice to make peace. You're a kid, you get in a fight with your sibling, you know you were wronged, you know good and well you were wronged. Your mom and dad come in and they make it right. They punish them, right? And you go, okay, I'm all right now, right? Uh, The idea that there's satisfaction that comes from making wrongs right. We love this. It's a word called justice. Justice. It's the feeling you get when a mass murderer is caught, proven guilty in a just and fair court. In trial, he receives a fair trial and receives just sentencing for his actions. There is a satisfaction that comes from that to the human heart, especially the ones that have received the injustice of the individual. There's a satisfaction that comes from this. And why is justice so satisfying i say that apologetically as a question why do we all every one of us love justice until maybe 
It's us that needs the justice. We all love it and we all want it. Why do we feel that justice is satisfying? How many of you have seen Cold Case Files on Netflix? If you want a deeply satisfying show, it is a show where all of these murders and things that took place back in the 80s and stuff like that, they just went cold because they never found anybody. The evidence didn't lead to anybody particularly. And they just went cold and they just went on the shelf. And injustice sort of just left there. And now with modern technology and genetic testing and all kinds of things, they went and op- reopened these cold files that were put as cold. Now they're reopened, reinvestigated, and they use modern technology to investigate with the genetic and blood testing and all that sort of thing. They apply it, and time after time, these cold files, they're finding the killer, and they're bringing justice to the killer, and it's like, yes! One of them that just particularly was satisfying to me is this guy got away with it for like 35 years and he lived in Alaska in a shack and they had to go up there and track him down and he was on a breathing machine in his shack. But guess what? Time doesn't pay. You still have justice waiting. And he's in this shack and they still arrest him and he still does his, they still take him to trial and they still execute justice. And why is that so satisfying? Why don't you say, hey, well, it's just an old man. He's got an oxygen tank. He's in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. Surely that's bad enough. Right? You go, no, it's not. He needs to be satisfied. He did such wrong to these families. He killed these innocent girls coming home from school. And he just got away with it for 35 years. Go to Alaska and get that guy. And bring him to justice. There's a satisfaction that comes from that. Where do you get that? Where do you get that? Why do you care? Why do you want that? You get it from God. God is just. Let me just say this real fast. If there is no God, and our country is very quickly, culturally moving to a society where we have all live under the assumption that there is no God. That is, we are becoming an atheistic society more and more and more. And that's just where America is, is headed. But listen, if, if there is no God, and we begin to build a society based on that assumption, listen to this, there is no such thing of ju- as justice. There's no such thing. Because there is no such thing as right or wrong. There is no transcendent moral standard that all of us must be subject to. You don't have that anymore. Now, in a world where there is no God, everything that everyone does is right. And you must accept that. And there's no such thing as justice. But because God exists, justice also exists, and it exists in us. We want, we love, we herald justice. Have you heard the word justice in our society lately? It's interesting that an atheistic country, by and large, loves justice. It is confusing. Justice based on what? The Bible says God exists, He is just, and He demands justice, and He demands the satisfaction of justice for every single wrong and that justice is exact in its measurements and he doesn't miss even that much 
He is a good judge. And he will by no means, as the Old Testament says, clear, clear the guilty. He will bring justice and justice will be brought full to every wrong done from a human being to another human being or set of human beings to another set of human beings or every wrong done to God himself. All of it, all of them, all of them will be satisfied with justice. And this is why there will one day be a final judgment. A day when every wrong will be righted. Not one wrong done against God or human to human will go free from the justice of God. Judgment day is that day. It is the satisfaction of the nature of God and his justice. And let me say this real quick. If you don't see God as just or you you don't really look at the justice of God presented in the Bible and you understand that nature of God being just, you will never see his love. Because his love is demonstrated in the very act of him showing and satisfying his justice. It's the same act. In Jesus Christ, life, suffering, death, resurrection, Jesus in his atoning death is satisfying the just requirements for all sin. God takes all sin for all the world, all the wrongs, all the things that we would say cry out that it must have justice. It needs to be satisfied. It needs those wrongs that need to be righted. God sweeps them all up and he piles them all on a hill where his son will die for every single one. And he will satisfy in his death all the wrongs that really only God sees. And he'll do it all. He'll do it for every single one of them. If you don't see God's justice, you can't see his love. Because it it says that God demonstrates his love for us where? Cross. The place where he satisfies justice. Psalm 85.10 describes it like this. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness, you could also say justice here, and peace kiss each other. Jesus is receiving the just requirements of God upon sinners, upon himself. He is making payment on something that we can't pay. You've heard it put like that. He is satisfying justice within his own suffering. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace. How is he our peace? Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Hostility of who? God and mankind. He satisfied it. Jesus is our peace. Because of his atoning sacrifice. The only way we get peace is to get peace with God only through atonement. The satisfying of justice. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He said, man, I was going to hear a Christmas message. And all I got was wrath and judgment. 
That's Christmas. You can't study peace in the Bible without atonement. Peace comes through a price, a high price, high price. And God is satisfying his own nature and judgment here. And the angels are praising God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, now because of this child, peace. Satisfied. Ah. Humanity sighs and says, ah, finally, finally. God says, finally, finally. The same way a person sees justice net out and says, finally, peace, I'm at peace. This is what's happening at Christmas. God gives peace through his Christ. It says to those he favors. Who does God favor? Who does God choose? Because this is the term, this is the way the angels are singing. The angels are singing that God has peace. Peace on earth to who? God's, God is dispensing peace. Who does he give it to? To those he favors. Who does he favor? That's the big question, right? Who do you favor? And if you ask that of the Bible, here's what you'll get. To everyone in his son. No one outside his son. Why? Because justice is required. But in the son, justice is satisfied. And what can come through the son to those in him, peace. Peace. What do you need more than anything in this world? You need peace with God that brings the peace of God to your heart and your life. And you know what? It doesn't stop with you. The peace of God coming to your heart makes you and forms you into a peacemaker. You can forgive another person for deep hurts to you. Why? You've been forgiven. You don't have to handle justice. He's got a day and he's got a cross. It's all been taken care of. No one needs to pay me. I'm free. And now I'm a peacemaker. How does peace come to the earth? Isaiah called him the prince of peace. Are you at peace with God? God's made peace with you. He did it all in his son. Make peace with God today. Come to his son. Trust his son. Give your life to the son. And this song will be about you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the proclamation of these angels. The glorious gospel was proclaimed by angels to shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. To whom his favor rests. And Lord, I pray 
for that grace that comes that is so expensive we could have all the money in the world and we couldn't buy it. And yet it was paid for on our behalf by your son. And he offers it freely. Lord, I just pray for every person in this room. Lord, that maybe this is the first Christmas. Someone will actually experience Christmas for the first time today. Oh, I beg you. Lord, move in your spirit, in their hearts. Open that opportunity to them. And Lord, let peace reign. Speak to our hearts during this time of response. Make us what you want us to be. Take us where you want us to go. And let us enjoy, enjoy Christmas. Maybe even come back to the message of Christmas afresh and anew. And it does something in our heart. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just sit in this just for a minute? We're going to worship. But an incredible message this morning on peace. And we can't con and just say goodnight or goodbye or whatever without really challenging our hearts on, do you have peace? And I believe that there may be some of you in this room this morning that you've not experienced the peace of salvation. Pastor Key just laid it out perfectly on what it means and what the cost was that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, died a horrific death so you and I can have a place in eternity in heaven. That's something to celebrate and that's something to understand. And I don't want anyone to miss that this morning. As Pastor Key just said, maybe this is the first time in Christmas you can, you can celebrate and understand for the first time who Jesus Christ really was born to be, the Messiah, the Savior. In the, in, the, in, the, in the definition of peace is this, peace is freedom from disturbance, and sin causes disturbance. There's a major disturbance of sin that is caused in our hearts. And for some of you, you're asking questions almost daily going, why can I not find peace? Because you haven't found Jesus. Please know that this morning. And maybe you're at that edge and you're sitting there going, I know I have to do this. I know this is something that I have to do. And, and the enemy, the one who came to kill, steal, and destroy, is very good at talking people out of salvation. He's very good at getting in your head and giving you that voice of, no, no, you're good. No, no, you've done that. No, no, you're fine. And maybe for, be honest this morning and listen to the Spirit of God and not the voice of the enemy. And let God rescue you this morning. Would you just close your eyes and be real still? I want to pray for us. And would you do this right here? Would you look into your heart? Would you really look into your heart right here, right now, right in this moment, and ask yourself this question, if my heart was to stop, if I was to die, do I know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Do I have the peace of God? in my heart, in my life. The Bible says, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that peace. He goes on to say, if you confess with your mouth, but you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
It's believing in your heart this morning. Maybe that's you. Listen, if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. This is just a prayer of you crying out to our Lord and Savior saying, I believe in my heart. I believe and I'm confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart. So if that's you, would you pray this prayer? Say, Jesus, I need peace this morning. Jesus, I believe in my heart this morning that you are real, that you love me, that you atoned for my mess-ups, my mistakes. You gave your life for me. I believe in my heart, Jesus, that you love me, and I need you. Oh, God, I need your peace. So, Lord, I ask you, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And, Lord, be my Savior right here, right now, in this moment. Lord, I give it all to you, Jesus. I need your peace. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, with no one looking around, if you prayed that this morning, you really meant it, would you raise your hand and say, that's me? If this morning you prayed that prayer and you said, yep, that's me this morning. I prayed that prayer. I see my guy right there. Man, I've been praying for you. Do you really mean that this morning? Is it, did Jesus come real to you this morning? Could you come in? I want to pray for you. Would you come stand right here? Is there anybody else in this room to say this morning is where, you can come right down here, man. I just want to pray for you. Maybe Pastor Chuck will come over. Anybody else want to say this morning, hey, I'm with him today, and I just gave my life to the Lord this morning, and I'm ready to come and make that confession of faith. Anybody else, would you move in this seats right now and just come down? Would you come down with Chuck? Anybody else? Well, I tell you what, during this response time, during this song, if at any point where God moves in your heart, moves in your life, where you're saying, this is the moment where I'm ready to step over that line and give my life to Jesus, we'll be down here with you. Amen? Father, we ask you this morning that you'll continue to move in the hearts. Thank you for rescuing and saving this man this morning. And we ask that you continue to move in the hearts of those in this room. If they don't know you, that you will move in them to come and know you this morning during this response time. Come on, let's sing. Would you all stand? And we're down.